Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is All of It. I'm Matt Katz, filling in for Allison Stewart. My next guest, Eric the Architect, has been designing new soundscapes in hip-hop over the last decade with his group Flatbush Zombies. Now the Brooklyn native has dropped his solo debut titled I've Never Been Here Before. Here's the track, Instincts. Follow my instincts, Monday to Wednesday. Life is a mystery. What do my friends think? Some cowards nail, but they never feel us. They almost killed us, and I'm still here, bro. Follow my instincts, Monday to Wednesday. Life is a mystery. What do my man stay? Some cowards nail, but they never feel us. They almost killed us, and I'm still here, bro. Why you even pay rent when you don't get out of bed? I've Never Been Here Before runs 16 songs long and spans many of the influences Eric the Architect grew up hearing in his Flatbush home. It also features a generationally wide roster of contributors like James Blake, Joey Badass, Layla Hathaway, and even funk legend George Clinton. Joining me now for an All of It listening party is Eric the Architect. Welcome to All of It. Hey man, what's going on? Thanks for having me. Oh yeah, thanks for being here. We we know you're you know you're a Brooklyn native. You're out in LA now, so appreciate you waking up in the morning and uh, coming <laughs> on the show. You know when when you announced the album online, you wrote, "I can confidently say this is the most I've cared about anything I've made." What what makes this such a personally important album for you? A milestone of sorts. I think mostly because. Music to me as a kid, um, I watch in award shows or, uh, you know, MTV or BET, Young TV Raps. Those were like my heroes, man. And I looked up to the, all these people on, on, on television. They were in like this box, you know, and you flip the channel and you're able to watch all these heroes save the day in their way, you know, and that always inspired me to make music, um, even when there was no traction or hope. Um, I think that just feeling like I could save one person's life meant the world to me. And of course, I've released music um, as a band member and I've done production for other people and help people with their albums. This was special because I never was able to do it for myself in this capacity. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to say something profound, but also um, to make that little kid happy and proud of who I became now and, uh, you know, to nourish that imagination I had when I was a kid and to make something that I feel like that kid would be proud of. So it's making, it's, it's a little different this time yeah. around, you know? Yeah, for yeah. sure. And that, the album just dropped this week. Do you, is that little kid, you think that little kid would be proud of you if he, if oh, he yeah. see what was happening right now? Yeah, man. It was just on Friday. So I'm still buzzing. I still feel like I want to jump up and down. So, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, some some of the songs on the album were recorded or at least started as long as five years ago. Were you like thinking about a solo album from back then or did that just sort of, you know, kind of come into fruition more recently as you were, you know, writing more, writing more songs? I think even then I had the vision. It, it wasn't as clear as it, as the final product, but I definitely knew that, I was going to do something um, individually because I've had a lot of songs in the tuck waiting for a moment. And, mm-hmm. you know, you had COVID, you know, had me moving from Brooklyn to um, 
to Los Angeles. There were a lot of factors that made it more difficult for me to do it as soon as I wanted to um, originally. But I'm glad I waited because this is exactly how I feel now. And I still have those songs from five years ago that captivate how I felt then. And that's enough time to, you know, that's half a, a decade. So, you know, I was 30 years old when I recorded that music, not to age myself, but it's yeah. just, you know, you, you think differently when you're 30 years old and it's great to have a piece of music, a piece of art really um, that you can look back and say, well, that's what I was feeling five years ago. Um, and I'm not too far away from that, you know? Um, yeah, that's, that's what you get. That's the reward you get from continuing to create and never stop. You know, this is the first time you've you've created a, a solo album, and I'm just wondering if you know if you had a different kind of anxiety building up to this moment than you might have when you're working on a project with a bunch of other people or on somebody else's album or with you know two other guys like you had been for so many years. Nah, man, I was ready for this. I was ready. Um, I've been making music since I was 15 years old. Um, since I graduated from high school, it's been a trajectory, upward trajectory, learning to produce and, you know, play piano and all the things that came with being the hero that I was talking about. So although I still offered my talent to others and to a group, um, I was ready for the moment to apply that knowledge to myself. Also doubling down and being a graphic designer, you know, that's what I went to school for. So all the visuals and the vision for my project came to be because I actually had my hands on it. Um, it's hard to do that when you work with other people because you have to consider what they want too. And this is all about me. So right. it was actually easier in a way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I read somewhere that you had said that you didn't want uh, people who hadn't worked on the project to kind of give you feedback as it was coming out. You were ready. You want, you know, you, you wanted to feel that you loved it and then let the world hear it. Yeah. I feel like that's important, especially with social media. Right. Um, we look at, numbers and metrics to validate how much we love something and it's innate because it, we're almost conditioned to feel that way because there's just like this uh ledger of how good you are based on how much people like you on the internet and i just come from the old school where like i said those characters on tv you know the stevie wonders and herbie hancocks and babyface and quincy jones these were guys that like there was no internet so the only way for them to tell how good something was, but is to put it out and actually talk to people. And like, that makes more sense to me than to be validated by the internet. So yeah, I didn't, most of my close friends didn't hear my album until last week. Wow. <laughs> so <Nice>. so uh, <laughs> I got to ask you about this. Cause we just did a, did a segment on people's favorite neighborhood spots and you know, you're from Brooklyn, you and your, your friends formed the rap group Flatbush Zombies 2010. That's named after your, your neighborhood. You got a spot in Flatbush that you want to shout out? Or is there, a, is there a place about, is there something about you that would tell me you're from Flatbush? Like, what, what do you, when you're out there in LA in the sun, when you're thinking about Flatbush, what are you thinking about? <laughs> you know, it's the number one thing. Gotta be the food. The food here is, huh. as a Jamaican man, it's really hard to find a real good beef patty. It's real hard to find good oxtail jerk chicken, like, Flatbush, I would even go to um, Bacon Tings on um, on Flatbush. It's okay. Trinidadian, so they make good roti. Uh -huh. But that's a spot every time. I'm sometimes on a tarmac coming down from, from L.A. <laughs> trying to place an order. So when I get there, <laughs> it's already hot and ready to go. 
Oh, it's just not existed. It's just not existed in LA. If there is, maybe somebody hearing this that's on the West Coast could send me the address. But right. the culture of um, New York City is so prominent in in the food. It it, it flabishes its own diaspora of like Caribbean influence, and it's every store. I mean, I shot out that specific store, but I mean, you could go to any store in um, Flabbish and find um, stuff like that, and also just like hair products and lotion. Like I like cocoa butter and shea butter. I got to go to a whole different neighborhood. Uh, LA to find that stuff. <laughs> Man, I love that. As soon as you get back to New York, you got, you have to have that beef patty. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's, you're not home yet. I, I don't feel that. right. Yeah, I don't feel right. <laughs> Yeah, on Friday when the album dropped, you had posted on Instagram about growing up in Flash Flatbush, and you t- talked about listening to different music in different rooms of your house with different relatives. Now, on the track uh, "Mandevillain," you name drop Biggie and the Foo Fighters in, in like the same line. Can you describe that a little bit? Growing up in your in your um, in your home in Flatbush, mm-hmm. and the way all these different kind of sonic influences were mixed together. I'm so happy you noticed that line because, like, I said that I was skinny, but Biggie influenced me. And um, it's like a play on words, obviously, right? But hip-hop was introduced to me through, you know, initially my mom had showed me Rapper's Delight, which was, like, clearly, like, a hip-hop classic. But then I had my oldest brother. I have both my brothers, really. Um, They showed me hip-hop music. And I know I wasn't supposed to be hearing some of the stuff that I was hearing from Wu-Tang to Big to Nas to Jay-Z. I was definitely a young guy. They're old enough to be listening to grown people music. And I'm a kid. I didn't really listen to like Barney and Sesame Street. That was like too normal for me, you know? (laughs) I'm listening to like real raw stuff. And they knew I was like responsible and mature enough to like listen to it and not like repeat it or whatever. Right. But that was my initial um, introduction to hip hop music. But my mom was really the foundation for the soul music, the James Browns and Sam Cooks, you know, all the stuff they maybe say, I say is the golden era of black music. Um, mm-hmm. And then rock, I would say my mom bought me the Beatles one CD. Wow. And it had all the number one yeah. hits from the Beatles. I remember that album, like, yeah. Oh my God. It was so good. It had paperback writer and like help and, she was like, you know, these guys are from UK and they just they just wanted the best of all time. And that probably was the the inception of me yearning to hear live music play with instruments. And obviously Dave Grohl, you got, you know, I'm this is the 90s. So you got like Smashing Pumpkins and Nirvana and all these bands were coming out. And it wasn't until I got to college that I really started to uh, appreciate live music like, you know, the Foo Fighters and um you know the shins and you know i'm just all over the place with my music taste but it was really because of the house i was in you know very cool wow you, i i mentioned uh mand villain i think i'm saying that right and and mm-hmm. you, this is like a sort of a new uh, alias for you it's the name of a track your tour is called the mand villain tour um this is your named after your father's hometown is that right yeah mandeville jamaica a- and who is Mandevillain? so Originally, um, I had went to a, I was going to Jamaica last summer um, and I was just ranting about how disappointed I am sometimes in music and just like people's complacency of music. And, you know, sometimes I go on a tangent just about how different today's times are with uh, how we consume music through the Internet. And, you know, uh, <laughs> I was told basically that I'm in my villain era and I was like, wow, really? 
He's like, yeah, you know, you have profound feelings about like how people are just lazy and just undetermined and they lack charisma, they lack drive. And then I thought about most of my favorite movies and even artists, they have a side to them that's like untapped and uh, kind of, I wouldn't say the word evil, but like even in a comic book sense, you know, you have the Joker or you have like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Like I love those movies. So I started to take on this character that helped me fight when I felt insecure. So if I ever feel insecure about something, I tapped into this part, the Manda villain that's like, you know, I don't care, you know, just be yourself, be unapologetically yourself and ask for forgiveness later, you know, and it's not a way that you can, I feel like be every day or every moment of the day, but it does help when you feel insecure, um, especially how much distractions we have in the world. Um, just be distracted by watching other people succeed and because of social media. Right. So this was like my way to battle that is like, I don't care about that. Like, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Let's, uh, I mean, let's, we got to listen now. Let's listen to a little <laughs> bit of uh, Monta Villain. Yeah, you play your politician, you be snitching like you Paul Revere. Man, I love this rapping shit. I hope you never. Yeah. Okay. I was still a kid, I pulled my first rhyme from thin air. Skinny, but believe that Biggie really brought me here. Inspired by the Foo Fighters. If you quit, then you tired and you lies. Get the whole drum and the new wife. Blood in my hands, no wrong. Get it, get caught in a jam Which I don't understand How we can defeat this famine Too many starving Untap these ruthless artists Dispel these Reaganomics Too much champagne make you vomit I'm at the pee Funny rappers at my feet Only accurate if you can say you that was Eric the Architect, and that was Manda Villain from his new album out now. I got to talk to you a little bit about Flatbush Zombies, because and, and we can hear maybe a little bit in that track. You became known with Flatbush Zombies for experimenting, pushing boundaries sonically. Uh, the phrase psychedelic hip-hop was thrown around in relation to you guys. How do you, how do you think about the those sounds and the, the the difference between that work and what you're doing now? I think primarily because I wore the hat as the producer 100% of the time, I was heavily influenced by the things that we enjoy together, which is like great movies, great video games, wrestling, cartoons, especially wrestling. Um, and the music that we consumed together, I feel like was really representative of the energy that we had growing up as kids, you know? So we were always very unique. Um, and what brought us together was just our friendship. It wasn't the music. I didn't even know these guys wanted to make music, hmm. but they knew I did from, I was like 13 years old making beats and trying to make it happen. And, um, you know, they have a real untapped potential that I knew would foster into becoming like what it is. Yeah. And um, I think that with that being a teammate, I was able to play a role of, um, I would say team captain, um, but because of that, I think that I would allow myself to put uh, an individual story to the side because I want to tell a universal one. So it'd be like, well, what do we all agree on? Or how do we all feel today? As opposed to maybe my part of the, the track is how I feel. But that's 16 bars. or that's like a minute of a record. When I'm working by myself, I have this whole plate that's completely empty. So it's like, well, how do I feel today? And if I can figure out how I feel today, I don't even necessarily have to produce the record. I can actually voice those uh, feelings to another producer. Huh. 
and then they're constructing it. And then now after they've constructed it, then I can actually co-produce it too, or arrange it or compose or add or call in another producer, you know, like one of my songs, Breaking Point, I had reached out to, um, I wrote it with Baby Rose and my friend Rukat and Jacob, uh, Pale J. So when we wrote the song, everybody that kept hearing the song that I played it for, it was only a, a select few. It was like, oh, I want to play on this. You know, do, do you need a lap steel? Hmm. Like, yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> let's do that. And then it's like, oh, you want a live string section? Let's get that. So yeah. um, it's like almost auditioning the songs to see how many people's energy can contribute to it to make it to better, you know? And I think as a group member, it already has already so many ideas. It sometimes can be too crowded um, to add all these components, even though, you know, I felt I did a fair share of that too, you know? Yeah, I mean, you, there's a lot of other producers also on on this new album. But you're, you're actually, if, correct me if I'm wrong, I think you're the sole producer on just one track, uh, Jammy Jam. Is that right? Yeah. What's the, what's the story behind that track? Um, ironically, um, that song was about an ex girlfriend. Um, and, you know, us guys, we have times where you can think about somebody that you may have loved or cared about, and then when you move on, it's almost like. You have this part of you that maybe still wonders if they're all right or yeah and then you got to kind of like move that part of your head and make space for a new person you know and this song kind of um exemplified that even when you're over it even if i'm over it i'm hoping that she isn't you know it's kind of uh -huh. petty in that way like <laughs> i may be over it but you know she's still calling to try to get on the text list uh the the, the guest list for your new show you know that's like the irony of it let's yeah. let's let's hear a little bit of jammy jam Smile is pretty plus a match purse. It's hard to pay attention when you hurt. You're crying, chilling, but you're dense worse. If love is good, you know we make it work. Okay, loving you is easy. We can take you where you want to be at. Wanna try to land with what I fear. All I wanted you to be at. Loving you is easy. We can take you where you want to be at. Wanna try to land with what I fear. All I wanted you to be at. Okay. I don't want this road with my ex chick. She don't know a place, so I exit. Well, I'm still getting texts for the guest list. Yeah, I'm still getting texts for the guest list. Got a new but he know not to test this. Man, I love that track, man. That's, that's a banger. Uh, I, we, we, only, we only have a couple minutes left, and I want to talk about one more song. The last song on the album, uh, it's called Liberate, features Layla Hathaway. Was there a reason why that came last? Was there any like kind of genius behind the sequencing here? Man, um, originally when I first made this song, shout out to Dawood, man. Shout out to my man Romeo. Shout out to Layla. Um, originally when I made this song, I wanted it to be the intro of the album. And I was actually playing it for James Blake. And he was like, my God, man, this song is like, and I didn't say anything. I just played it for him. He just like, this song just is, it's like the end sequence of a movie. And I was like, end? I thought it was the beginning. He's like, nah, man, this is the curtain close. Like, this is like, this is the one when you hear this, you want to play the first song again. And I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, but I, going into a music, sometimes even if my intent was to do, for it to be the beginning of the album, it still feels like that to me. It still feels like the beginning of something new. And it's ironic that it became the word liberate. And I know the real term, it should be liberation. Mm -hmm. That's liberate. I know how to speak English, but <laughs> I just thought the song liberation is really just like, it's still the, it's still the word of, it's almost like saying you freed yourself from the 
whatever had been the, the oppression versus liberate means that's the action of actually doing it. Yeah. That's, so I thought, let's, let me powerful. take that. Yeah. yeah. That's more powerful. More powerful. Way, totally. Like, dude. Like, so that's really what it, it came to be because it, it felt like the ending of the beginning and the beginning of the end. And um, I'm so proud of the record and I was able to really get, I mean, Layla's a legend, man. Mm -hmm. um, she's incredible. She's a great person. She's a great person in the studio. We had a great time and I couldn't have, I can't imagine a song without her contribution, you know? So I thank her for, for coming over and talking about video games and singing with me. Amazing. <laughs> awesome. And I thank you for coming on all of it. Eric, the architect's new album. I've never been here before. It's out now. Eric, man, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Congratulations on all the success. Likewise. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And we're going to go out on Liberate. Time ticks by six, seven, eight. Gotta slow it down. Gotta change your fate. I see the God in everyone on the center stage. That's liberate. That's liberate. Time ticks by six, seven, eight, seven, eight. Gotta slow it down, gotta change your fate. Change your fate. See the God in everyone on the center stage. Center stage. That's liberate. There's a lot going on right now. Mounting economic inequality, threats to democracy, environmental disaster, the sour stench of chaos in the air. I'm Brooke Gladstone, host of WNYC's On the Media. Want to understand the reasons and the meanings of the narratives that led us here? And maybe how to head them off at the pass? That's On the Media's specialty. Take a listen wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>